Welcome to the Columbia Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We're so excited to share this weekend's message with you from Dr. Jim Balkum, our senior pastor. We hope it encourages you, inspires you, and helps you grow in your faith as a whole life disciple. Now, enjoy the message. Hey, Columbia, it's great to see you again, and thank you, Kim, uh, for that word that you shared with us and for being such a great part of our staff team. I hate for you to have to transition out in a moment like this, but as you say, God's timing is perfect, and I'm positive that he's got a perfect plan for you, and Bronwyn, thanks for the great work you do. And Columbia, thanks for the faithful way in which you are giving. Every week, I, I sort of expect for us to see a decline. And every week, uh, I'm, I'm pleased, uh, really astonished by how faithful our congregation is. And that allows us to continue to move forward until that day when we can get back together again. And that's sort of what I want to talk about today. It's great to be with you live once again today. We're always with you live. We're thankful that you worship with us so often, and I'll point that out in a moment But uh, this is sort of a strange time, isn't it? I I expect that many of you feel like this sometimes. Do you ever feel a little like this? I guess you could call this caught between a rock and a hard place or bridging the gap or whatever the case may be. I want to sort of refer to this moment as a time between the times. It's kind of a misnomer in a way because this is a moment in itself. It is a time. And we're still building memories that we'll have forever. I'm amazed at the things that are happening right now. And I think that we will be shocked at how often we speak of these days as significant in our lives. I think back to other times between times in our nation's history. And one of those times that we can speak of is the Great Depression. And I, I remember all of the stories my grandparents told about the Great Depression. I'm not saying we're in one. We could be. Uh, But this is that kind of a stress moment in the culture. And that moment really shaped our nation. And it shaped that generation of people that we call builders. And many, many, many of their stories harken back to a time that everybody, of course, wanted out of. It was a time between the times. I've known some significant times between times in my life, and you probably have too. I think that engagement period before you're married is kind of a time between times. You're waiting for something to begin. It was a hard year for me. I can't speak for Debbie. Uh, I think it was hard for her too. But you sort of were together and you sort of quite weren't yet and, and you were trying on for size what it would be to spend your life together. And I can remember many significant arguments we had in that year as we were trying to imagine what was coming and whether we were prepared for it or not. And I can remember many significant joys. I just wanted that year to end. I wanted to get on with our life, to get married and move on with what we'd planned. But now when I think back, on that year. It was significant and important, and I have lots of amazing memories from that time between the times. And the question I probably should have been asking, and did sometimes, but should have more in that year, is not when will this time between the times end, but when it ends, will I be prepared for what's next? In other words, not what will happen or when will it happen, When will the new thing start? When will we get back, if you will? But who will I be when I get back? Who will I be when I get to that moment? There are so many times like these in our lives. For those of you who have children, do you remember those nine months or maybe the eight months you knew between the time you knew you were pregnant and the time a child was coming? 
I mean, those, those are amazing months in many ways, but it is a time between the times. It's sort of a buffer zone between a time of freedom and a time where you're about to take on the mantle of parenthood. And for us uh, to get pregnant the first time was a little bit difficult. And so we were kind of surprised uh, when we discovered that Debbie was pregnant with Marley and we started to wait and, and we, we, we were so eager, we were so eager to be pregnant, so eager to be expecting a child. And then all of a sudden, here comes this moment. And in that moment, we start to ask the question, are we ready? Are we really ready for parenthood? Thank God we had six years together before that time we had our first child. But even then, we were asking the question, you know, are we prepared for parenthood? I'll never forget the night before Marley was born. We were staying in a hotel in Richmond because uh, we lived on the Northern Neck and, and the hospital where she was to be delivered was an hour away. And so we were there waiting for the birth and uh, it was to be a C-section and Debbie went into labor the night before her C-section. That's inconvenient. She could have done without that. But she started to, to cry and I thought maybe she was in some pain. And I said, honey, you know, what's the matter? And she said, I don't think I'm ready. I'm not ready to be a mother. And of course, what can you say? She's coming, whether you like it or not. Now, of course, when you get into that moment, you're more ready than you thought you would be. But that time between times is valuable preparation time. Asking the question not so much, when will it end? Or when will we begin again, if you will? But who will we be when this ends and we begin something new? That's the God question. And that's the hard question to ask. Look, I'm speaking to a lot of people these days. I make phone calls every week. A lot of them, many of you call me, email me, and most people seem just want to ask the question, you know, when will we get back? But the God question, it seems to me, is who will we be when we get back? Now, I'm going to tell you there are a lot of complications just to getting back. Maybe life is like this in general. Perhaps all of life is sort of a time between the times. Jesus seemed to say so in Luke chapter 17, 20 through 21. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied. Now they wanted the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is already coming. It's already in your midst. But then we move our attention to 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 through 3, and the Apostle John says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears in the second coming, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him will purify themselves just as he is pure. Listen to verse three again. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Do you see how this time between the coming of Jesus to usher in the kingdom of God and the second coming of Jesus, which could come any time and, and any place, we'll never see it coming like a thief in the night. This is a time between the times. This whole era, this whole epic is a now and a not yet. It's an ushering in of the kingdom of God, but waiting for the full realization of the kingdom when Jesus comes again. Now, many of you are talking about this time between the times, and I have to tell you, I'm astonished with the number of questions I get asking one simple question, when will we reopen? 
One of the difficult things about leadership in a moment like this, and I'm just going to tell you, this is the most stressful moment of leadership I've ever experienced in ministry. I think my team will tell you, my wife will tell you, I very rarely get very stressed about much and about ministry, but I'm stressed right now. And what's stressful is this this set of unknowns, this low visibility about the future. It's really difficult to navigate. So all I can do is try to focus on what I do know. So let's talk about what we do know about reopening. First of all, we know that our governor has said that it won't be for a couple of weeks yet until we are ready in this region to reopen, and I think we can understand why. The case counts and death counts in this area are still spiking again and again and again. Our regional leaders asked the governor to make that demand of us, and he did. Now, many of you would say, well, look, governors are losing lawsuits left and right from churches, and you're certainly right. The First Amendment says that if we were to come back here and worship today, it is probable that no one could long-term stop us. That's the truth. But as the Apostle Paul says, not everything that is legal is beneficial. Not everything that is legal is wise. The question is not what we have the right to do or what we can do, but what we should do. I can tell you a second thing that we know for sure, and that is that no first step for us, and we will be opening up at some point in some defined steps that we are currently working hard on, no first step can come before Father's Day, June 21st, and that's because our elders, at my request, have issued a decree for our church that we cannot take a first step until June 21st. I'm grateful for that known. I'm really grateful because it's it's good thing to know exactly when we can shoot for. By the way, the elders will continue to reevaluate. That time could move. And, and I, I say, I thank them for their wisdom in thinking about when it can move. It's not insignificant, by the way, that one of our elders, Jim Fry, barely kept his life as a result of COVID-19 and even today is struggling to recover his health. He's able to give us firsthand understanding of what it is to walk through this disease. You know, friends, this is the most difficult thing I've ever managed, I'll tell you. Opening up again, how do you do it? Exactly how does it happen? I said when this whole thing started, you probably remember, it's easy to shut down. It will be hard to figure out how and when to open up again. But the church of Jesus Christ is not closed. We are open. Now, we wanted to know what you were thinking about this so we could have another set of knowns. How are our people thinking and feeling? And we sent you a survey with 13 questions. I was amazed at how that survey came back. You know, typically we might get 100 or a few less than 100 if we're asking what we consider to be a really important question. And I would suspect by this morning we probably have 500 responses. We had near that by the time we closed the poll last night. So I wonder if you're curious about how people responded. Let me show you these polls if I can, because I think you'll find them amazing. The first question I wanted to ask, and I've rephrased these questions. I've made them a little simple. How often have you been in online worship? Wow, can you imagine this? 85 to 90% of our people have been in worship regularly. In fact, uh, some 70% of people have been there every single week, and another significant percentage have been just about every week. And, and even below that, people have come a few times in, in just a short number of weeks. I got to tell you, friends, 
If we had 85 to 90% participation in worship every week, the new building couldn't handle our congregation. So it's pretty amazing that you've been this involved. How about in IGs? How often have you been in online IGs? Well, over 50% of our adults have been in ignition groups regularly during this period. That is far higher than our normal percentage of people who are in an ignition group in any given week. Now, of course, what bothers me most is that that lowest number over 30% are not in an IG. And let me say to you, that is such a significant part of your discipleship. And right now, it means you're missing a significant point of connection to our church. So let me suggest this is a great time to find an IG and begin to meet with them virtually and look forward to the day when you can meet with them physically. We also asked our people, would you prefer online or in-person IG right now? And I was a bit surprised to discover that a good many people would prefer to be online in their IGs right now. But let's be honest, that's not what most people are thinking about. They're thinking about worship. Now, I've got to tell you something. When you think about coming back to worship, all you think about is sitting in this room where I am right now. That's all you think about. But there is way more to think about, like egress points and how we come into a room and, and, and how we stay away from each other in bathrooms and hallways and how we monitor social distancing. Our governor was on a call with pastors from other parts of our state this past week, I, I'm told. And I'm sure he'll be on this call with us in a couple of weeks. And, and what he's asking is everyone be masked, every door be propped open. He's asking even the people on the stage, even the pastor be masked. Do you understand how significantly the worship experience you're knowing right now will be degraded just by having a live audience at some step for what we're doing virtually? I think ultimately we have to ask the question not only because of health and well-being, but also because of the quality we can offer. Is it worth it? If we can't do children's programming and preschool programming, that's going to be the most difficult thing of all to stand up. How many parents actually would want to come to that worship experience and how many people would want to come be around them? Families sitting six feet apart in all directions. You'll have to pick up your your cell phone to speak to someone on another side of the sanctuary. These are tough, tough questions that we're asking. I also want you to know really quickly that I have gathered a group of pastors in our region and we are working together on steps toward reopening. We think it would be a good thing if related churches in our area sought to open at about the same time. Well, let's get back to these polls. When we open, when will you return? A pretty significant sum of people, I would say, said I'd come back immediately. And and an even uh, bigger group of people said, with some precautions, if I knew it was safe, I'd come back immediately. Now, part of that is that they would expect that everyone who attends would be wearing a mask. And I think that's going to be hard to monitor. But notice that even more people said it's going to be at least a few weeks and a pretty sizable chunk of people say it's going to be a long while before I'm back in worship live. So we need to be careful that we understand what is best for everyone. Listen, that's one of the big things here. It's what is the good of the whole and what is the good of our community. This is not just a rights matter. This is a love your neighbor as you love yourself matter. What's best for the people of the church who are around me? And what is best for the community around me? These are the questions I think we absolutely have to ask. We also asked, would you come if you're required to wear a face mask? Oh, the vast majority of people said that they would come if they were required to wear a face mask. Some people said they weren't sure, 
But I want you to take note that over 20% said they would not attend if they had to wear a face mask. This boggles my mind, but maybe there's some people who simply can't for some reason, but maybe some others who just say, I won't. I have the right to do whatever I want. How exactly do we monitor that? It's a significant number of people. What capacity would make you feel comfortable, we asked. Some people said full. We can go right back to the way we were. In fact, we weren't full when we were here, but uh, any given Sunday, we have a certain percentage of our congregation. A pretty big percentage three, said three quarters full. I suppose, not surprisingly, about a big percentage of people said half because that's what we're hearing from the governor. And some other people said three quarters full. And by the way, about that half full thing, don't you find it interesting? Restaurants can't even let people into their dining rooms right now, even when step one or phase one of the state's plan begins. Movie theaters can't let anyone in. There can be no concerts, but churches somehow have the right to have up to 50% of their sanctuary full. Why? The answer is the First Amendment. The answer is that governors of states like Georgia and Kentucky have been sued over this and lost the suits. The answer is Governor Northam has been sued by a church in our commonwealth. Give this some thought. We are in a different category than anyone else. I suppose that's a wonderful thing in some ways, but is it a setup for the church of Jesus Christ? What kind of example is it? What does it do to our evangelism when our neighbors see our parking lot full when they can't even walk into the dining room of a restaurant yet. And by the way, how do our small business owners feel about that? Why is the church given some sort of a a special pass? Is it any wonder that it has been proven, scientifically proven, that churches and houses of worship have played a significant role in the spread of this disease all over the world, and yes, in the United States and North America? It's something we have to consider I'm going to guess we'll feel very differently if we open up and we lose the first significant member of our congregation, someone everybody knows. Maybe one of our senior adults will come anyway. Maybe not. Maybe a younger person. I'm guessing we'd feel significantly different after that moment, and we'd ask the question, did we cause that? Did we bring this to pass? This is a love your neighbor as you love yourself issue, friends couple more poll questions and then we'll move on. There are just two more I want you to see. First of all, would you feel comfortable reserving a seat, which absolutely I think we'd have to do. We'll have to know who's coming and how we can accommodate them. A good many people said yes. Some people said it doesn't matter, but a significant portion of people said, if I have to get a ticket to come to worship, I'm out of here. I'm not going to come. It's hard to deal with, hard to handle for us because I don't know we'll have any choice. And finally, would you come if no programs for your kids? These are the percentages of those people who said, I have kids 18 or under. And by the way, this poll skewed all across our age brackets, but it skewed younger. So our largest groups were in their 30s and in their 40s who responded to this poll. As I told you, upwards of 450, 465 people. So some people said yes, a good many people, but a lot of people said no. And I think I get this. The question for them, frankly, is, is it worth it? Or should I just wait to come back until we can get back into our normal rhythm and routine? Well, is there a scriptural context here? I think there is. This is a picture of the upper room or what many historians believe is the upper room in Jerusalem. I suspect it is more impressive than many of you thought. Some people think it was the upper room of Joseph of Arimathea. It certainly belonged to a wealthy person. 
And you might want to think about that upper room as we look at this scripture, which I think is tremendous context. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, on one occasion while Jesus was eating with the apostles, he said to them, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are, are you going to tell us the time when you'll restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, one thing that this shows us is that the apostles are a lot like us. They just want normal back. They want to go back not only to the normal that was, but to a romanticized normal, a day of King David when Israel was mighty and dynamic. Everyone always seems to want to go back somewhere. So when they spoke with Jesus, they may have been feeling like we do. Can we just get back to what we want as normal? Now, interestingly, a lot of pastors will preach this particular passage in a particular way. They'll, they'll move from this little section I just read, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit amongst you straight to the Pentecost, and they'll miss what happened in between. And I think that's a mistake, because there is something that happened in between, and what happened was nothing and everything. The apostles found themselves in a time between the times, the time between Jesus' resurrection, then ascension, the coming of the Holy Spirit in full power on Pentecost. And by the way, Pentecost is next Sunday, and we're waiting for Pentecost today. And that was a time when God prepared their hearts and their minds. Because I want to tell you something. God always uses times between times in powerful ways. The ultimate story of the Old Testament, it is the paradigmatic story of the whole Bible is the Exodus event. So the people of Israel are led out of Egypt and then eventually they're going to enter the promised land. And the question is, how long between? The answer is 40 years. Can you imagine that? We've gone crazy after just a couple of months of this. 40 years of wandering in the wilderness when the people just kept asking Moses again and again, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? But God couldn't allow them to enter the promised land, until their hearts and their minds and their spirits were prepared for it. And so God used that period of wilderness wandering to set the stage for what was to come. It turns out that time between the times was a significant time. Or how about the time between the times when Jesus recapitulated that experience and wandered himself in the wilderness for 40 years, or 40 days rather, to be tempted. 40 days with no food or no drink, tempted by the devil. Between the time he began his ministry and the time he chose his disciples, it was a time between the times. Why? Because Jesus wasn't asking the question, when will the next thing begin? He was asking, who will we be when the next thing begins? Will we be ready when the next thing begins? Jesus needed to be ready. Or how about the period of time 
between Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. It's a, it's a short three days, I recognize, a very short three days, and, and many think, well, nothing happened in that time. But the scriptures tell us, and we learned about this a few weeks ago, that, that Jesus redeemed hell in those three weeks, those, those three days, that Jesus in that time went to redeem those who had been faithful in their lifetimes, to bring them into eternity. We don't exactly understand that, but I can tell you this. However it happened, it was significant, that time between the times. Times between the times are important, and this was for the apostles, a time between the times. As we continue to read the Scripture, we get to what I think is a very humorous section After Jesus had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. He was gone. He told them he was leaving and now he did it. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven He'll come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. You've entered the time between the times. What's so funny about this, of course, is that the apostles just wanted him back. They just wanted normal back. They had believed that he would usher in a new day for Israel, and the coming of the kingdom was different than they'd expected, and now he was gone. What was this all about? Resurrected with them for a short time and and now gone. And they just stand there looking into heaven. I'm not sure they were quiet. I imagine that Peter said to John, is is he really gone? John said, I I don't know. James said, oh, he said he was leaving. He said he wasn't coming back. Well, I, I guess he's really gone then. Two men in white walking up to them and saying, it's over. It's done. Why are you still looking into the sky? Go, go. And there was this time between the times for this to experience, them to experience now. And so what did they do? The Bible tells us they went to the upper room and they hid there. They waited there. Why? Because they were afraid. Their lives were in danger. They had low visibility. They had no idea what was coming next. And so they sequestered themselves. They quarantined themselves. Now, look, there are a lot of good reasons to quarantine, and I I think we've probably found one right now. Fear's probably not one of them, but no matter what reason that we are away for a period of time, I'll remind you again, God always uses times between the times, and he wanted to prepare the apostles for what was going to happen on the day of Pentecost, You see, unless Jesus left, the Spirit couldn't come. We're tempted to teach this section, and I have, in fact. It's a great line. We sometimes will say, Jesus went up, the Spirit came down, the apostles went out, the people came in. And you can see how that's a great outline for a sermon and a great line, but it misses one significant thing. Before the apostles went out and the people came in, they locked themselves up. For a short time, they experienced a time between the times, and the Scriptures tell us it was a significant time of preparation. 
Let's go back to the Bible here in Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, just reading straight through. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. We believe the same place that they had taken the Last Supper with Jesus, the upper room. And those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. Listen carefully. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. How did God use this time between the times? And how did the apostles align themselves with what God was doing in this time between the times? You know, when you don't know what else to do, about the best thing you can do is to pray. They weren't gathered with many people, just with a small family of believers. And they prayed constantly, we're told. And God used that time between the times to prepare them for the beginning of the church, for Pentecost, for the preaching of the gospel, and for thousands of people being saved. I got to wonder, don't you? How is God using this time between the times? When will we reopen? It's an important question, but it's not the most important question. The most important question is who will we be when we reopen? The most important question is what is God doing with this time between the times? And by the way, be careful, because so often when one thing is ended and we're waiting for another thing to begin, while we're waiting for that time, important things are happening in our lives. God doesn't waste times between times, and neither should we. Can we be patient? Can we be loving? Can we extend grace to our brothers and sisters, even if they disagree with us about what we should do now? You need to understand that this time will end. Historically, all pandemics come to an end. There have been great studies done about this, and they can come to an end in one of two ways. They can either end medically, the disease goes away, we find a vaccine, whatever the case may be, we find treatment, or they can end socially, some in some way and some in the other, because what you need to know is there have been a lot of pandemics across time, a lot that we know of and some we even remember I suspect this one will end socially before it ends medically. But what one historian wrote is they never end easily. It's always messy. This is going to be a tough moment. Reserve judgment. Reserve anger. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Care for the other. Do what you can to make others feel comfortable. Be as Jesus was, a man or a woman for others in this moment, because the most important question is not when will we return, but who will we be when we return? It was Winston Churchill who famously said this, and I'm sure you've heard this quote again and again and again, sometimes lately, never let a good crisis go to waste. Churchill led in a time between the times. World War II is probably the most significant time of the modern era. It may have opened and shaped the modern era. I suspect we haven't been this disrupted since that moment. 
when Churchill spoke this, people just were asking the question, when can we get back? When will normal come again? Churchill was wisely asking the question, what should we do with this crisis? Who should we be when it ends? How can it mold and how can it shape us? The apostles were praying for the same wisdom. And you and I should be asking not only when can we come back, oh, how I want to be back, don't you? Oh, how I crave and wish for normal to be back. Most of all, I, I am desperate to be back in church with you. You might say I'm dying to be back in church, but we've got to make an important decision. Should we be back in church to die, even if it's just one? Man, these are hard, hard questions. They stress me out. Maybe you too. Can grace be our watchword? Can we hang together as a church and pray constantly during this time? Can we just for a moment put a question on a shelf, when will we return, so that we can focus our full attention on who we will be when we return? I think we'd be the better for it. And I think God uses times between times. Would you pray with me? Father, in our world and our nation, we find ourselves in a time between the times. And we have no idea how long it will last or how it will end or what pain is, is to be had between now and whenever anything like a new normal emerges. But your word teaches us very clearly that you never waste a crisis, that you always use times between times. In fact, they are some of the most significant moments in all of Scripture and in all of Christian history. So, Lord, I'm praying now that you begin to stir and move by the power of your Holy Spirit in the hearts and the minds of your people beginning with me. And I pray for every one of my brothers and sisters young and old, listening to me right now, that you right now would give them wisdom and patience and grace and eventually the needed courage to come back. But before that moment, wisdom, courage, grace, to allow you to do what you want to do in this time between the times. Father, I want to ask you not when we can reopen but, Lord, who would you have us to be when we are together to worship in this place again? In Jesus' name, amen. You go and ignite passion for Jesus Christ from Metro Washington to the world. We'll see you soon. God bless you. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Metro D.C. or Northern Virginia area, we would love to worship with you at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about all the incredible things happening at Columbia, go to columbiabaptist.org. That's columbiabaptist.org.